0: Cool. Hello and welcome to the next episode of Uncultured, the podcast. I'm your host, Gripper, here to add a little bit of color to your week's. This week's guest is Noranga from The Bachelor. I am very, very, very excited. Noranga Amara was one of the first people of colour on the Australian reality TV show on Angie Kent's season. Today we talk about diversity on screen, the problems with how he was represented on screen and some juicy Bachelor goss, which I've been dying for. The interview is remote, so the audio is a little bit fuzzy, but that's okay because you're going to love it anyway. Hi, Naranga. How are you going? Yeah,
1: not too bad. Yourself?
0: I'm good, thank you. I am very excited. I feel honoured to have the opportunity to pick your brain. I followed your journey on The Bachelorette and then on Bachelor in Paradise, so I've got a billion questions.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Happy to um, spread any info that you guys want to hear.
0: Naranga, tell me about yourself. What were your passions as a child? What made you into the person you are today?
1: I guess my passions were a lot of sport. I was throwing in a deep end for sports um, quite young. I played cricket, rugby, and I did athletics or at like a higher level, Queensland schoolboys and national level. I guess that's my passions. I wasn't really into the academic side of things until later on in life. <laughs> I never showed any interest. Grade um, 11 and 12, I had some major hip injuries. I was pretty much given an ultimatum. Either you, you know, go sort your hip out, it'll take about a year like rehab, surgery, or see how it goes yeah just hope for the best so I kind of just hope for the best and when I studied and I thought yeah the sports side of things kind of died off I wasn't getting any better with the hip and yeah well my skill set wasn't really up to standard with you know a bad hip I decided to just go study.
0: Mm, That must have been really difficult kind of pivoting at that point in life once you're already established and everything you know and love is no longer there.
1: Yeah it was it was it was a bit of a wake-up call you know like it wasn't or smooth sailing, I guess. Like for a while there was a stage where everything just fit into place but when you work hard for something and you don't achieve it, it's kind of a setback but then you realise if you put that focus in something else, you can achieve as
0: much. I, I think that's a pretty incredible way to look at it, the fact that you have excelled in something and when it's gone, you're able to use that grit in other parts of your life. I think I think that's great. You said your focus kind of shifted towards academics. Did you ever feel that pressure, I guess, as a South Asian person from a South Asian family, stereotypically we're told that, you know, studying is of the utmost importance. Did you feel that pressure from your family or was that kind of more on the sidelines?
1: I guess to a certain extent. I think my sporting um, abilities kind of overshadowed that or the pressure in studying. Um, I still had that there um lingering but it wasn't as bad as you know someone that wasn't sports orientated like my brother he wasn't as uh, sporty so he got pushed to chase the academic side of things so I, I didn't get the pressure that you know normal South Asian um, kids do I guess.
0: Yeah when the attention's divided it's a lot easier to slip under the radar. What's your family dynamic like you mentioned you had a brother? Yeah
1: I've got a brother a younger brother and a younger sister so they're, they're quite a bit younger though I think my sister's eight, eight years younger and my brother's six years younger.
0: I guess culture is usually what brings big families together in South Asian households, whether it's through different events or rituals or just kind of gathering around a table. Do you think that you were raised around culture or how much did culture impact your upbringing and who you are today?
1: I I guess there was a lot of culture in the house. Um, I grew up in Cairns, so there wasn't many Sri Lankan families up there to explore the whole culture thing. So we did hang out with a few families, but the culture wasn't as vibrant as the families that grew up in, say, a big city like Brisbane. So when I moved down to Brisbane, my families were introduced to other Sri Lankan families. And there are a lot of like Sri Lankan New Year and all that. I wasn't really privileged to that in Cairns because we never celebrated it. But up here, felt like the Sri Lankan kids had a little bit more culture and they knew a bit more about the history and stuff, which I wasn't um, privileged to. So, But that wasn't any fault of my parents or anything. It was just there wasn't people there to educate
0: me. A circumstance, I guess. And you're right, when people migrate here, they tend to congregate in places where they know people, tends to be in bigger cities, and so communities start to form.
1: Yeah, exactly, yeah. So it's hard to do it with a couple of families, you know. So, But when there's huge communities, you know, like talking about hundreds of people, which is a lot easier to understand the culture and to get the culture because otherwise having a couple of families, everyone's got their little points of views, but you don't really get to see the big culture. I was kind of a token South Asian minority. Um, There wasn't many people at all in Cairns, so there was a lot of Indigenous people, obviously. My parents tried their hardest to keep a little bit of culture, but they couldn't enforce it too much because... They didn't really have anything to fall back on in a sense of like, oh, uh, we should be doing it this way. Nothing you know, to compare like... it to, really. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I would only see the Australian culture.
0: Fast forward to the u- complete other end of the spectrum in terms of what is really common in South Asian culture. You applied for The Bachelor. Yes. <laughs> what made you decide to apply for it?
1: Um, I'd been, I'd been single for about a year or so by that time and I was just cruising through life, I guess. I had a good job, my personal life and everything was good, my friends are good and I just didn't have, yeah, yeah love. Flying. I thought i oh, give something totally out of this world, blase, something, new experience and I thought, oh, let's give it a crack, you know, so. And one thing led to another and yeah, here I am. Like I wanted to do the block or Survivor and stuff, but I, I never really, I applied for the block never really got on there but you know this is something more my age category and yeah i was just i was willing to do it with open arms see what the experience has
0: yeah any of those shows would have taken you in completely different directions um all incredibly unique what percentage do you reckon you felt you were going on the show for love versus going on the show for a unique experience
1: i guess it was 50 50 i i as, a, as I am now, like I'm open to finding love, but I knew finding love was a lot harder than gaining a new experience. So if you're going into it with an open mind and open arms, the experience is what you're going to ha- get no matter what. Love is the additional Prize. if you do get it you get it but it's not always going to be the be all end all but I guess if you come out with a good experience then a lot of love might come out of it on show or you know in the future from it there's always chances
0: um you hit the nail on the head by saying that you're just more likely to have a good experience than you are to find love and I've never heard of it being put that way I know there's a lot of chatter on the show especially about whether people are there for the right reasons and it's like Yeah, of course, no one's ever going to not want to find love. But at the end of the day, there's so much more optimism associated with just having a good time and setting your expectations that way.
1: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Like everyone, it's human nature to fall in love, you know. So, of course, everyone's there to find love. But in a split second, you know if that person's right for you or if you're going to chase that person or if you are going to chase fame. So you you decide in pretty much split second you see someone or get to know someone
0: on the topic of knowing in that split second whether or not you've had the potential to fall in love with someone did you were you told prior to being cast or prior to getting on the show who the bachelorette was
1: well i didn't know but i when, when i auditioned in the auditions they said oh what do you think about angie and i had no idea and i was like oh who's angie um, I had no idea, and a lot of the other boys did know that it was her. But and a lot of people went into it knowing it was her. But I, I, I had no idea, and I'll, I said oh, I'll get back to you because I have no idea who she is. So <laughs> they they explained to me who she was, um, and I was like, oh yeah, I'll be interested and in get to know her, you know. So, but I didn't. I did not know in the auditions it was going to be her. But I knew walking onto a red carpet it was her.
0: And how did you bring that up with your parents?
1: Um, I just told them and they they didn't really mind really. They just said, oh, look, you know, you're single, why not give it a go? Like growing up, I just made my own decisions. They would give me advice, but I would always make the ultimate decision and they knew, you know, if I was going to go do this and all they needed to do was support me. I think they've learnt over the past where when you're an adult, when you're mature You make your own decisions and all you can do is support and give advice. You can't really stop someone from doing something.
0: Mm. Did you face any backlash from the greater communities? I know you mentioned that you weren't kind of ingrained in any strong South Asian communities, but did you feel any backlash from the extended family, the extended communities, or were they supportive?
1: Well, I don't really know what their thoughts were um, because I'm not really invested in them. I know mum and dad didn't really get any backlash. When I have seen some people from the Sri Lankan communities, they have praised me and said, oh, well done. Enjoyed, you know, watching you, blah, blah. No, I never got any backlash in that way. But I don't know what the the deeper the chit chat is in the community. So in a way, I would love to know what they think, you know, to get like a cultural feedback, you know, but... End of the day, why, you know, if there's negativity, I'll just ask them, you know, why? Why is it different to, for, for me to go on a TV show than it is for an Australian to go on a TV show, you know? So
0: were you kind of aware that you you weren't necessarily predecessed by many people of colour on the show and the show, especially having this reputation for not being as diverse in their casting? Were you aware of that when you went in, or were you like, all right, well. If they don't choose me, they don't choose me.
1: Yeah, I was, I was like, I was set off, they don't choose you, they choose me. The whole diversity and stuff really kicked off from our season. I don't think it was as big um, in the seasons before, so I think it really started over the last few years that they really needed to focus on diversity. You know, I was obviously when I got there, then I started when it started airing, and I thought, oh shit, like this is this is an issue, you know, the whole lack of diversity. And I was prepared for that, and I was prepared to lead that.
0: Did you feel a responsibility from that at all? I think
1: I felt a sense of like pride leading that that charge. I think I was happy for that and I was happy that I was myself and I was a good person on it and I guess that's where it all starts. You know, if I was a bad person on it, I would let that minority down. So, But then again, I didn't really get to voice my opinion um, as much on national TV, I guess which is a bit of a shame. I'm really
0: glad you brought this up. I really wanted to talk about this. When the ads came out for Angie's season, I remember she was a crowd favorite bachelorette. And I remember the ads were something like, I think her brother was undercover bachelor. And in the ad, you kind of were like, yeah, it's, I mean, it's not me. I'm not the brother. And I remember everyone thought that was hilarious and they were really excited. I remember feeling like, oh my God, finally someone who looks like me and someone I can relate to is represented on this show that I've grown up loving. But then once the show aired, you didn't get much screen time.
1: Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I guess there was a lot of personalities on my season, huge personalities, people made for TV, people that have done TV in the past. So that kind of overshadowed it. I think I've got a pretty outgoing personality, but to these guys, these guys are another level. So it was, it wasn't me trying to compete with them, but it was just, they're on a different agenda, you know? So, and I guess the producers worked with that a lot more than what they could work with me.
0: So were you kind of on the edge of your seat waiting for something you said to come up or for you to be the center of any kind of plot?
1: Yeah, like I was hoping like the red carpet and stuff would come up, but yeah, every... Every time I watched an episode, it was pretty disappointing. You never got any airtime. You got all the, you know, the bigger, louder personalities getting airtime, really. So, uh, which is disappointing. You know, you, you put a lot of effort into it, you know, your time into it. But I guess, end of the day, we all knew it's going to, it's a show. It's a TV show. They, they're there to make money and, you know, entertain. And I guess if there's someone else that can entertain a lot more, then that's who they're going to put on TV, you know. Did
0: you face any kind of bullying and kindness racism as being on the show media wise or on the show itself
1: not from the public really like there was a few few people but you, you kind of
0: the public loved you
1: yeah I guess like the public did yeah they had a, a lot of positive positivity to say so that kind of overshadowed the the you know one percent of people that had something bad to say
0: what so. kind of stuff did you face on the show itself or from you know otherwise from the show there was a certain
1: cast member that highlighted well, you know, where I was from, you know, a different culture and that probably wouldn't take me back to their parents' place and stuff, you know. So that was quite disappointing that they, they didn't air that. I'm not sure if it was filming at the time or not. I expressed my thoughts on that after the show and a lot of other people heard heard that sort of, those sort of comments coming from that particular person. But, you know, you take it as it is and, yeah, you move on.
0: As someone who is one of the very few people of colour, did that make you feel more different or not wanting to be there? How did that make you feel?
1: I felt comfortable because I had a lot of friends there. I'm, I'm used to that, you know, growing up in Australia, obviously you're always going to be the token person. So I was very used to that. I was very used to that environment. Obviously filming one show already, I knew what I was expecting. I was very comfortable in that situation, yes.
0: For the amount of love that you've gotten from the Australian public, why do you think that you have had less media opportunities than other stars of the show despite being a crowd favourite?
1: I guess like a lot of people that are diverse want to hear what I have to say, see my personality, who I am and actually follow me for me. But that percentage in Australia, it's very minimal, which is just the fact because you you are drawn into people that are it's the same culture as you you know and unfortunately in australia they're very selfish when it comes to opening their arms up to other cultures the biggest side the biggest scheme of things in australia all those people want to hear the other side of the story you know that the bigger personality it it makes sense like i understand like you know a lot of cast members got over a hundred thousand followers and whatnot it is that ratio of people that want to follow me because there isn't that many diverse people that do watch reality tvs and in the, in, the, in the first
0: hand, you know. So I, I do agree that obviously people of color maybe don't represent as big a portion of consumers of reality TV. I, I mean, I noticed when I was doing research on you that you had 10K followers. That is not aligned to the amount of love that you got on the show.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, that's, that is true. In a way, I understand because I understand the people that want to follow me are are diverse. So it maybe does show like people in Australia are they really as multicultural as they think they are?
0: Mm, just because you are diverse doesn't mean you only diverse people can follow you.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. So what, what's what's happening to the others? You know, where are they?
0: <laughs> what has being on the show meant for you? How's it changed your life?
1: I guess it's given me opportunity to meet a lot of really good new people. It didn't affect my job. Like, I wasn't chasing it for money because I've got an amazing job, you know, that pays well. I enjoy it. It was a lot about, I guess, finding myself in a different light instead of academic or sports, something totally new, a totally new experience, and knowing that I can. I can do it. I guess it's opened more doors to me to try new things and be open to criticism and not let people judge me. I, I don't think the sh- the show means to have the racist aspect. I think it comes with it, and unfortunately, it's it's a real world. You know, you're going to get that. It, you're going to get racism. You're going to get bullying everywhere you go. But it's about matter of fact being educated in that second sense and knowing how to deal with it. And unfortunately it's reality and you, you know, you shouldn't have to walk into a room knowing, oh shit, I need to be prepared for this, you know, but it's a sad truth.
0: Coming up after the break, literally 20 minutes of me just ranting about my love-hate relationship with The Bachelor. You know that Tyra Banks meme, we were rooting for you, we were all rooting for you? That's how I feel about The Bachelor. Also, we asked Naranga some questions that you guys had, and we get some very juicy Bachelor gossip. See you on the other side. Hello, it's just me. I'm just here to hijack the interview for a little bit. I thought it was pretty important to contextualize the history of The Bachelor and why I personally think it's quite damaging to perpetuate its long-standing reputation for being non-inclusive and super not diverse. It was lovely sitting down with Naranga. I hope we do see more of him on our screens in some capacity or another. He is actually going to be answering a couple more questions that some of you guys ask. so you can wait to the end of the episode to listen to some of those. I think that there is a lot of rhetoric around the fact that inclusion and diversity is the last battle we should be facing when people are dying overseas. Feminism in the workplace is so much smaller an issue than women not having basic access to needs and I think that it is a much more nuanced conversation. If we are able to dedicate so much of our time to consume content and be part of communities and participate in communities where we're watching things like The Bachelor or we're working in a corporate environment where we are striving for a promotion, I think that those structures and those systems have a responsibility to reflect the communities that are participating. Looking at stats, we don't actually have anything on how much of the demographic that watch The Bachelor are culturally diverse. We do have stats on Australia where we've got around twenty nine percent of people having been born outside of Australia and identify as culturally diverse, which is quite a large amount. I, I I can definitely agree that the Bachelor's audience may not necessarily be your most multicultural group of people, but but I think that's also an assumption, right? Like we haven't done any tests on that. You're probably like, why do you care so much about the Bachelor and representation on the Bachelor? Not having responsible representation on the The Bachelor can have really negative and damaging trickle-down effects. What it's telling society and the collective Australian psyche is that people of colour are not desirable. They're good enough to be on our screens when it comes to Masterchef, when it comes to The Amazing Race but The Bachelor, not so much. And then it becomes a vicious cycle. Because you're not platforming people of color and and depicting them as desirable, people's preferences automatically get affected. They don't see people of color as desirable, but it also has this incredible power to affect real life. They could go ahead and never have any kind of representation or responsible representation moving forward on The Bachelor franchise. But Number one, it's not really reflective of the changing face of Australia now that we are more of a melting pot, so they say. Um, But also, it's just not responsible. You're you're completely avoiding an opportunity to make some real change. You've got something like 800,000 people on average that tune into the premiere of The Bachelor. That is a lot of minds that you have the power to mold. I don't know. Does that make sense? But this year they have upped their game. Brooke Burton has been announced as the next Bachelorette. She is a, both a bisexual and First Nations woman. Jimmy Nicholson is the Bachelor. He is of Fijian and New Zealand descent. Now, the reason I'm still a bit sceptical is because, yes, there have been token diversity representations in the past on The Bachelor and we won't fully know whether this is going to be something that is good until after we see how they're represented. I think what tends to happen with the Bachelor franchise is that people kind of just get thrown into it don't get supported or they're represented through stereotypes i think it's about responsible representation and i think that's the difference it's not just about a diversity hire for example ariba emmanuel was on last year's season of the bachelor she is a pakistani woman who was immediately represented as the villain was represented as super bitchy um Regardless of whether she is or not, I think that it is irresponsible to depict the first Pakistani woman that you have on the show as being that way. She ended up facing a lot of racism on the show. One of the contestants called her Abracadabra. Saliha Iqbal very succinctly summarizes this feeling that I have in her article for The Pedestrian. She writes... People of color are cast in super groundbreaking roles for diversity and representation, but then thrown to the wolves when it comes to inevitable racist backlash from viewers and even co-stars. It's shitty stuff like this that makes me worry for the well-being and safety of people of color on TV. What is Channel 10 going to do about protecting Brooke Blurton from racism and homophobia as both a bisexual and First Nations woman? Have you guys noticed that even when people of color are on screen they tend to get kicked out within the first couple of episodes or we don't really hear from them the people that actually get put on there tend to be white passing it's interesting because yeah it, it, it you can be on there as a culturally diverse person but you have to be palatable you have to be a halfie or you have to be someone who never talks about their race Splinter did a study on America's Bachelor and they found that 59% of black contestants leave within the first two weeks. Rachel Lindsay, who was the first black bachelorette, said that she knows from her own experience that the only way to be more inclusive and deal with issues of diversity is to have people of color in the decision-making room. And I think that's something that we've always kind of known and asked for, diversity, diversity, is putting people on screen. Inclusion is making sure that we have all the structures in place to support them responsibly. And that includes by having production and editing and everything and executives. The problem with having so little people of color on screen means that you get a very one-dimensional view of what it means to be a person of color. You start pigeonholing that person. So for example, Naranga is just now known as the brown guy who was on a season of The Bachelor. And that is so not True, he's a much more nuanced person. He actually did an interview with Huffington Post and he said he's definitely more than the brown guy. I'm fun, I'm energetic, I'm there to make a little bit of difference. Unfortunately, when you get so little airtime or you're not dealt with responsibly, you just get pigeonholed. I mean, the American Bachelor is a whole nother ballgame. There was a lawsuit that was brought forward by Nathaniel Claybrooks and Christopher Johnson, who were two African-American potential Bachelor contestants, brought forward a class actions lawsuit claiming that they were overlooked in comparison to white males in the auditioning process. There always tends to be this rhetoric that people of color just don't apply. Naranga actually also feels this. He said to News.com that cultural traditions have added extra barriers when applying for shows like The Bachelor, which I definitely agree with. It's not championed in the South Asian community to go on shows like this. But I guess this lawsuit that happened in America brings that to question like there definitely are people out there who want to go on. And if there aren't, is it not the responsibility of the network to headhunt people who could potentially go on? I mean, they have tended to headhunt everyone else. Like a lot of Bachelor contestants have come out saying that they were DM'd on Instagram, right? Anyway, it's a really like nuanced issue. The reason I care so much about it is because we do spend so much time or a large portion of Australians spend a lot of time watching reality TV. And while we don't have the stats on how many of those people are people of color, there would be enough for, (laughs) I mean, I I could put money on the fact that there are enough to warrant some kind of responsible representation. And even if there weren't any people of color that watched it, it's just so beneficial to depict people of color as desirable. I don't know. Nah, it's all it's all complex, but I will watch with bated breath the next couple seasons of The Bachelor. I think this extends beyond The Bachelor. This is like representation in the media in general, but obviously this is a focus on The Bachelor. So, yeah. Anyway, let's go back to Naranga. We have a couple of juicy Bachelor questions, Bachelor specific questions from his seasons. If you haven't watched The Bachelor, then you can stop Um, you can stop here. You can still listen. I guess it doesn't really matter. (laughs) But anyway, we'll see you next week if not. Someone asked, I want to know how he felt about Cass because in the end he got the date card and tried to be with her but he got no screen time before that. So was that a feeling that was building the whole time or was that just at the end?
1: I guess in the end I didn't want to take Cass because I knew how she was. Um, you know, leading up to it, so I was over it. I was over the whole pursuit of it. Um, but I didn't really have anyone else. Obviously, Brittany had a bit of a meltdown about it because she was just overwhelmed that, you know, she was with Jackson and there was everyone else. All the other girls I was already friends with before we went on Paradise. Um, I had no, no emotional connection there, so it was I was kind of in a in a hard place there. So I didn't really have anyone else to take. So I guess it kind of felt. Fell in the producers' hands to, um, yeah, play that up, and I guess they knew what they were doing. So, yeah, I guess I guess the producers did a very good job there because they knew that I wasn't interested in anyone, and um, and I didn't really didn't have anyone to take. It was really always going to be just a friendship date.
0: In terms of the producers knowing what they were doing, I know you mentioned it in one of your interviews that you were actually did into a certain direction as to where to give your rose, how much involvement do producers have in decisions like that which actually change the course of the show?
1: If you're unsure, the producers will be straight into your ear talking to you to convince you or try to convince you to pick someone they want you to pick, you know. If you're very sure who you're going to take and it is a, it is a love story, then they will let that happen. But they won't just pick someone without a story, <laughs> You won't get a date card if you don't have a story. So, um, yeah, the producers know exactly what they're doing.
0: I think you were debating between Abby and Mary or something like that. And then Mary ended up with the man of her dreams. She's got kids now.
1: That um, that scenario, I was steered into choosing Abby. I was uh, Production was halted for several hours for me to decide to pick um, Abby. But I stood my ground and I said, no, I'm not doing that because I don't you know, I don't feel anything towards her and I'm giving a friendship rose and a friendship rose should be someone that you're better friends with. I was better friends with Mary. So producers were unhappy happy that it's kind of stuffed their storyline up. Um, but end of the day, they got the love story in the end, you know, so they kind of did a, did a 180 and yeah, it was on my side again.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, had you not done that Mary may not be where she is today. There are just so well, many. She wouldn't be. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah not chance. So the next question is who are you keen on seeing prior to going into Bachelor in Paradise?
1: Yeah, I really wanted to see Brooke. Yeah. Well she didn't come on. So yeah, I'm I'm kinda excited for her for me to Bachelorette this year. This is probably the year that I would have loved to gone on, but unfortunately my my time's been and done, so I um, yeah, was really looking forward to seeing Brooke.
0: Actually, that's a good segue into the next question that we have, which is How do you feel about Brooke being the new bachelorette? Oh, I'm
1: jealous. <laughs>
0: <laughs> of everyone going on or of her? <laughs> everyone
1: going on because of her. <laughs> I've never met her in person. I've spoken to her on social media, but I haven't, yeah, never met her. So, which unfortunately she might be, you know, loved up in the next, yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know, in the next three months, she'll be. She'll know who she's fallen in love with.
0: You never know. You never know. What do you, how do you feel about the significance of a pansexual and Indigenous bachelorette, kind of Australia's first of both diversity um, intersections, having a platform on the show?
1: Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Like, I think this is what they needed. I think a lot of people predicted it. From what I've heard, that uh, I think Renee might have been a person that they were interested in as well obviously being Aboriginal, um, Indigenous, I think they wanted someone like that. So I think both of them would have been perfect candidates um, and obviously, you know, Brooke come out on top. Um, I'm not sure why that was or if, you know, one person back here, I not I never really went into those conversations, especially with Renee. I don't know what happened there, but, yeah, I think it's great. And I know Renee's got full support of Brooke um, taking that part in um, as a bachelorette.
0: I think it'll be... Especially interesting seeing whether I guess the question I have with regards to both you and Brooke is di- diversity is more than just putting people on the show it's about it's about being responsible with the edit it's about b- being true to their character it's about spreading a message and a story that people of color that differently abled people that LGBT people are all desirable and not just plot points on the show so I'm really keen to see how they tackle Brooke's season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, you're 100% correct. So hopefully they have learnt from the past, you know, not to, I guess, go so hard on editing to make the villain and stuff, but actually make a love story. Because I think people want to see that. They want to see the love story, you know.
0: Yeah. Do the guys talk about whether or not they're actually into The Bachelorette?
1: Absolutely. Straight away. (laughs) really straight away yeah
0: do people come out saying that they're not into it
1: you'd say it off camera at at, at, the, at the beginning because <laughs> you don't really want to be the first person that gets kicked out but yeah absolutely you do talk about it all the time yeah it's hot topic you know a couple of boys that made a far for my season they knew it was they she wasn't the one for them so they they played it along you know they they played the acting role and they convinced her that they liked her and, you know, got, got the airtime they, they wanted. As the Bachelorette, you, gotta, you really got to sit back and take a moment and decide, like, are these guys really into it? Look at their history, you know, really dig deep into them, you know. But I don't think sometimes they make the best decision. But, you know, it's hard to be in their shoes because it's a lot of pressure. So you never know what they're going through.
0: If they did ask you to come on, I know that you've mentioned multiple times in the past that you wouldn't be the Bachelor that you wouldn't want to kind of stop working to go on the show. Um uh but if they had asked you on for Brooke's season, would you have gone?
1: Yeah, that's a hard one. Um <laughs> I guess Brooke Brooke makes uh, my decision a lot harder. I guess I would cons- I would I would think about it. I wouldn't say no. I wouldn't be the bachelor. Um people will ask me that question. But since it's Brooke, I would I would really I would I would really consider it. Yeah. Yeah, it would be a hard choice. I'm not, I would I, definitely 50 50, but it wouldn't be a yes or a no straight away. I'll really have to think about it.
0: Yeah, I guess it makes a difference when you know who the bachelorette is and if you're interested.
1: Yeah, that's right. No, I don't think, she's in Perth, so I, yeah, I wouldn't go chasing for it, but i would definitely, you know, if I had my opportunity, I would definitely get to know her.
0: Well, Naranga, I think that's all we have time for. Thank you so much for your time and for having a chat yeah no worries
1: at all you can
0: follow Naranga on Instagram at N-I-R-A-N-G-A-A you can follow us at Uncultured Pod on Instagram and I guess we'll see you next week bye